Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. This is Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you didn't understand what was going on in your marriage, when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, thinking if you found the right program or therapist, it could help him. When I realized what was really happening, I couldn't believe I'd supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. Like, how does that happen? Why is it that we go for help, but instead we just get dismissed over and over and over by therapists, by clergy, by other professionals? Why doesn't anyone understand this type of abuse? That's why I started podcasting. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark about what was really happening to her. If you feel the same way, one simple way to help spread the word, an anonymous way, is to go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app, find the btr.org podcast, and click on follow or subscribe. Just pushing one little button on your favorite podcasting app will bump this podcast up in the algorithm. By anonymously pushing that button, you could be the miracle some other woman out there needs. Because there are so many women praying for answers and they don't know where to look. While you're there, a five-star rating helps too and can save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program, that'll make this type of abuse worse. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama Husband Drama, available on Amazon, thank you please circle back and give it a five-star rating because same thing goes there. A lot of women search for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon and rating Trauma Mama there will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. If you're new to the podcast, consider starting with the oldest episodes first and then work your way forward chronologically. If you do that, you'll hear a change in my voice as I grow in my confidence and skills. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you or all of the above, and no one understands exactly how to help you. We do. If you're wondering where to start, go to btr.org steps to see your next three steps. And check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org. We'd love to see you in a group session today. I have Brittany Larson with me today. She's an experienced communications professional with an extensive background in crisis communications and public relations. She leads the public relations department at the Summit Group. Brittany recently launched Livelihood, a community for women who work. She's going to cover some topics today for women who are thinking about getting back into the workplace. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. So Brittany, let's start off with your advice for women who are getting back into the workforce, either after a hiatus because they've been raising their children or they've been too traumatized to work or women who have perhaps never been in the workplace in the first place. Just in general, I think it's a really exciting time to be a woman. Uh, Flexibility has never been more on the table or more expected. It's a really exciting time to get back into work. If you've been raising your kids or maybe you want to try something new and different, there are so many barriers that we don't face that even our mother's generations faced. And so my number one piece of advice for women who say they've been raising their kids and they've decided to go back to work or maybe they need to supplement their income or they want to completely change their direction 
is to balance patience with determination. We often talk about the stereotype of women being told no, or they are too afraid or shy or concerned about figuring out what they're worth. You kind of have to find that balance between being patient, but also being determined. If you're coming back into the workforce after years of not building up your resume in that way, you're going to have to be patient. But if you are determined, you're going to be rewarded. And the way I think of it is like a scale. One side of it is your employer and the other is you. And when you first start out, either in a new career or you're getting back into things or you've just graduated from college, the scale is tipped drastically in your employer's favor. You maybe have like a coin or two because you have a degree or a trade skill or something like that. But as you gain experience, those scales can slowly start to shift. It will take time. You really can make your own way now. And that's something that I find really encouraging as a woman. Many women that listen to this podcast are not wanting to work. Right, right. They are forced to work because of their situation. And there are some really negative emotions around that because they have been, for example, abandoned or they've had to file for divorce because of their husband's abusive behaviors. So there's a lot of extra baggage that comes along with being forced to look for a job when you don't want to and really you want to take care of your kids or because you've been enjoying a job that has a really low pay, but now you're like, oh, this job's not going to work anymore because now I have to support my family. There's another scenario here, which is many addicts are not very good with jobs. Mm -hmm. So they get fired sometimes because they're looking at pornography at work or because their social skills are very poor. So there may be women listening to this who have always been the primary breadwinner and their husband has had difficulty with jobs or women who have always been in poverty because their husband's jobs have always been terrible or they've been switching jobs a lot. I just wanted to put that out there about the serious negative emotions mm -hmm. that can surround work yeah. when a woman is in trauma. What are your thoughts about that? I got married later than maybe I had originally anticipated and really had to figure out how to provide for myself and support myself through college. And I think that a lot of it is about lowering your expectations, which sounds so negative, but when you're going into it and you're not doing it because you're passionate about it or you love it, which I will tell you, I don't really think that's a thing. I've always kind of resented that part of my millennial upbringing that work is to be enjoyed and it's supposed to fulfill you. I really truly think that work should be a piece of your life. And so whatever trauma that you're recovering from, or like you said, if you're being forced to work and you're having to do something that you don't want to do, I would try as much as possible to focus on what it's enabling you to do. Your eight hours on your shift may not be the thing that's fulfilling you. But if it's enabling you to provide for your family, if it's helping you to heal, if it's giving you an identity outside of your home or maybe your specific situation that you're going through, if you can focus on those things, that's what I'd suggest. As women are looking to come back into the workforce or thinking about it or considering it, let's talk about how they can develop skills in non-traditional ways. There's so many ways to gain knowledge that you couldn't get access to even just a few years ago. So I would suggest if there's something that you've been interested in, 
start educating yourself about it, whether it's learning a new language or developing a craft skill or going on YouTube and learning about design, there really is no limit to what you can figure out and train yourself to do. There are so many options for women to develop skills that don't cost a lot of money, whether it be classes at your library or finding a woman who's willing to mentor you. You don't have to be limited to having a four-year degree. And actually, trade skills are increasingly going to become more important. And maybe you're going to school for six months instead of getting into debt and going to school for four years. But I think that there are just a lot of different ways to attain that knowledge that used to be very limited. Figure out what it is that you want to learn. Then find someone who's doing what you want to do. Find someone that that can help you do that. A lot of women, once they get those skills and they're really good at it, they can put an ad up on KSL. I can run your social media. Absolutely. If you're not in Utah, KSL is the most like popular classified. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what suggestions do you have to gain confidence in the workplace? I think confidence is so important as women are looking to join the workforce again. This is something that I struggle with. I can usually fake it till I make it. <laughs> and I would say that's the same with this. And if you become the cheerleader of the people around you, it only does good things for you. It will open up doors And if anyone had something to say about me, I build confidence up in other people on my team of 12. I really try hard to be an example of building them up publicly. So I have like a little bell in my office. So when they do something awesome and they all think it's really cheesy and annoying, but I ring my bell because I just want them all to hear about this awesome thing that their team member's doing. Or I compliment them in really specific ways. I try not to be superficial about it. You really did a good job of presenting to this client, or I can tell you really improved in this specific way. Another thing that I'll say is to assume that you're going to fail, especially if you're coming into a new position or you're working and you don't want to be, you always have something to learn. Having that attitude will actually give you more confidence. It may seem counterintuitive, but owning that you always have something to learn will only help the other people around you feel more confident in what you're doing because nothing makes me more nervous than someone who's overly confident who shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you're humble about it and own that you're not perfect, you help other people lift you up and then you can do that in return. And then the last thing I'll say is just to always ask, I love what Sheryl Sandberg says in Lean In, and that is that women just need to raise our hands more. Mm -hmm. And I could see, again, if you're coming back into the workforce and that's not an environment that you're used to, ask questions. There really are no stupid questions. Be prepared for rejection. Be prepared that people might think that it's a weird or a different question, but you can bounce back from that and gain confidence along the way. Mm -hmm. I saw a TED talk about how we need to teach our daughters to be brave rather than perfect. Mm, I love that. That applies here. I have a favorite saying from a blogger. I'll give her a shout out. Her name's Emily Lay. And her trademark saying is, I will hold myself to a standard of grace, not perfection. And that runs through my mind all day long. So even if you say the wrong thing, Or even if you make a mistake, one of our coaches is amazing. She is so on the ball and so responsible. And one morning she accidentally set her alarm for 4 p.m. rather than 4 a.m. to get on one of our groups, (laughs) right? And she missed the group and she felt terrible. We've all been there. (laughs) But the night before she'd been through some awful things. We are all working together to provide 
both the people that work for us and volunteer for us and also our clients so much grace. Hmm, I love that. I want to come work for yeah. you. Now. <laughs> the main thing we need is for women to know about us because once they find us and once they start listening to the podcast, they learn so many things that they didn't know they needed to know. Yeah. So we just want every woman to know that we exist. So let's talk about how women can supplement their income outside of their nine to five job. I don't think I have a single friend that has a traditional career. I have some friends who are teachers, but then in the summer they do crazy cool stuff or they're doing research on the side. I have a bunch of friends who work in public relations because that's what I do. And a bunch of them do freelance on the side. There's just a lot of different ways that you can either supplement your traditional nine to five job. Cool examples that I'd like to share. Like I have a friend who makes really good money selling designs on Amazon. She's a stay at home mother. She's got three kids under four and basically put her husband through grad school by selling on Amazon. She completely figured out how to use Adobe Illustrator through YouTube videos. And I just think that's one of the coolest examples that I've heard. And she was so determined to do it during nap time and when her kids went to sleep. I have another friend whose husband was diagnosed with cancer about three months after they got married. Mm -hmm. And they've been married for years now and he's still going through treatments. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for her to have a traditional job. I just think this is really neat. She's got a coloring book Instagram coloring book companies pay her to film adult coloring books. You know, she'll do like the mindfulness ones. She just did some for Star Wars a few days ago. And she's actually supplementing their income by making these really fun and creative videos. Mm -hmm. Another really, really cool example. There's a ton of women who teach English to children in China online in the morning before their kids are even awake. Mm -hmm. And I have a few friends from church who are doing that, who are in the kind of single mom trying to figure out what's next group. And it's been a really good bridge to their next thing. Mm -hmm. There aren't limits. I don't think this is probably the best thing to do. If you're trying to put food on the table, because it's really, really tough to to find consistency in the beginning. But I will say that I, I can name off the top of my head, five friends who quit their nine to five jobs because that side hustle ended up giving them more flexibility and more money in the long run. You can experiment. You can see what you're drawn to. You can always adjust and figure out you know, what you enjoy, like you said, after you've healed. It's always a process and, yeah. and yeah. that's okay. We're, we need to enjoy the journey. Yeah. So in terms of women in the workplace, what can women do to set themselves apart? Again, one of the reasons why I started Livelihood was because I feel like women are either known as being passive and not asking for what they're worth or they're the other extreme and they're intense and they're crazy and were other words I won't say (laughs) to set yourself apart, removing emotion from your work. I actually think is really important. And I don't mean don't be a woman and I don't mean don't have passion in what you do, but I've always found that really focusing on the task at hand sets you apart. I've had a lot of female bosses Unfortunately, I think let emotion kind of rue the day and you didn't even get to see through that to get to the great work that they were doing. And so if I was coming into the workplace after going through something really emotional, 
I would try really hard to kind of separate those things as much. Like I said earlier, focus on what you're getting out of your job. Is it to put food on the table and help support your family? Is it to develop a skill that you hope will be a long-term career? And then just to be a beacon of positivity. I know I talked about building up other people around you, but I think one thing that can be tied to kind of that negative emotion or maybe being too intense or on the flip side where you're passive, you're not pushing for what you deserve is to be positive. Be positive about how you react to getting a last minute assignment. If you have to cover for a friend's shift, be positive about it. And it's crazy how that is so rare and how often I am told when I really have to work on that. I, that's not my natural disposition at all. I'm quick to try and solve problems. So I like to point out problems. But I've been surprised, especially this is something I've worked on over the last couple of years. When I react positively, how well that's received. I actually got a note from my boss a couple of months ago after I did a public shout out to a team member. And he said, this is why people love working with you. And I really needed that that day. (laughs) I think that that's one way that we can really be different Mm -hmm. is to be positive. And that doesn't mean you have to be Pollyanna. That doesn't mean you have to, you know, fake it. I really hate the like, just smile and everything will be okay. (laughs) That's not at all what I'm saying. But I think if you can find the good in other people, they'll find it in you. And that I think is another reason why healing from the trauma is so important. Because if we're still having trauma triggers, which has happened to me, I've had serious trauma triggers, Mm -hmm. just a simple work thing could turn into a really big trauma trigger. Or you could have a really intense work thing happen, like a boss betray you or abuse you. Mm -hmm. And your trauma could be really intense from that. And so if you have to work now, which many women do, or they, they don't have to, but they choose to, still making sure that they're working on their recovery. And that just made me think that I am very, very sensitive and I care a lot about my work. Mm -hmm. And I think in most cases, I lean too heavily on it being so much of who I am. And one thing that I keep learning as I get older is that it's not personal. And I think that could be really helpful for someone who's healing from trauma that it's going to feel personal. The way my mom describes it, which I think is kind of funny, is if you slowly build up your armor, mm-hmm. protecting yourself in the sense that you're not vulnerable, but you just know this isn't about me. It's about the bottom line. This isn't about me. It's about my coworker. Being able to get to that place, it's hard for anyone, but the sooner that you can get there, I think the more productive you'll be. I agree. And it takes a while to heal from that. Yeah. When you've been traumatized, everything is personal, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're suffering from PTSD, mm-hmm. it is so painful and difficult just surviving. Mm-hmm. Well, Brittany, I appreciate you taking the time. Brittany's website is livelihood.com. It's with a Y. So it's L-I-V-L-Y hood, H-O-O-D.com. We encourage you, if you're interested in workplace issues, to check out her website and message her. You can ask her questions. If you have comments, you can also comment on our website. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please help me reach other women by pushing that follow or subscribe button on your podcasting app of choice and giving us a five-star rating. Just pushing that little button will help other women find us. Also, your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast and donate today. And until next week, stay safe out there.